and welcome back to another episode of That's What People Do. You are joined as ever uh, by me, Ryan McGowan, and as ever, James Kay. That's 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 how it goes, because it's been so bloody ever. long. It's been, how, it's been over a month. I'm very well, thank you. Ryan, Good. very well. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. I didn't realise um, that this would go so badly. <laughs> it's gone wrong, but we'll power through. That's We're what we like here. Through. Um, Good. How's your time off been? Because the listeners obviously will be dying to know. James has had basically a month off to travel around the beautiful country of Scotland. Uh, Scotland was absolutely stunning. Um, if we have any Scottish listeners, please do get in touch and I'll just tell you how much I love your country. It's yeah. by far superior to England. So get your independence is all I have to say to you guys. Excellent. I will be getting myself a passport via my grandmother. Yes. Yeah, right. I'd like to marry into a Scottish family. So if there are any like Scottish women listening who want an English husband, hit me up. James is your guy. <laughs> uh, right, so we are back. Um, I hope everyone else has had a really good summer. Uh, James and I have enjoyed our summers. Uh, you've had to suffer with bi-weekly episodes. Uh, I can only apologise for that. I, I'm, I bet you're you know, dying for more content. And, and here is your content. This is the next episode. Uh, we're bringing it... Uh, why Earp we are talking about in this week's episode. We are going to the wild, wild west. Um, so yeah, let's just crack on with the script, shall we? In this week's episode, we are going back to the wiki wild west, where moustaches were overgrown, sombreros worn unironically, where the gun was the law, and where the myth of the west was created. One man who helped to glamorise and perpetuate the myths of the old west was the famous lawman turned gunslinging outlaw Wyatt Earp. Now, Wyatt was born Wyatt Berry Stapp Earp on March the 19th, 1848 in Monmouth, Illinois to parents Virginia Ann and Nicholas Porter Earp. He was the fourth of eight children. Now, when Wyatt was young, his dad agreed to join a hundred others in relocating out west to San Bernardino, California. See, Daddy Earp was a soldier who fought in the Mexican-American War, which ended the year young Wyatt was born. In fact, uh, Wyatt was named after Daddy Earp's commanding officer. But when the US won the war, Mexico gave over a hefty bit of its own territory, including California. Almost overnight, the US doubled in size, and with all this new land to settle, thousands would take the trip out west, including many veterans who were given warrants by the government to seize up to 160 acres of land to farm should they simply go out and take it. And I mean literally take it from the natives and the Mexicans that were already living there. And I mean, we've all been down that. We've been we've been down this road before, haven't we? We spoke about it, the atrocities that uh, took place. Yeah, um, obviously, when Mexico seized uh, the basically half its own country, including California. Uh, you have to remember, Mexico was a country almost had existed for like 300 years by this point. So there were Spaniards, well, not sorry, not Spaniards, no, Mexicans now living in the California area who had been there for generations. And in fact, there were Native Americans. And I will clarify, when I use the term in this story, Native American, I am referring to those uh, in the continental United States of America because uh, I understand that some people can get very upset by the term Native America because it would refer to the entire continent of America. 
I'm just referring to those that live in the United States area of America when I say Native Americans. Well I, covered. I learned that that's actually a thing. So because obviously we tr- we we try to be politically correct as often as we can, and obviously the term Indian is used by lots of uh, Native Americans, uh, but obviously for the most part it seems to be used as more of a slur for a lot of people. Uh, so they d- the the new phrase seems to be Native American, but then obviously a lot of people that come from that heritage are like, well, that's like just saying Asian. It just covers so many fucking vast people from mm. different cultures. It doesn't encompass all of us, so just you know, just clarifying what I meant by that. Very good. Thank Very you. Good. Thank well, you. Well done. Thank but you. But like, as you say, like all the the coast and stuff, um, a lot of the American cities, and towns, and what have you have like Spanish-sounding names, like San Diego, Las Vegas, Los Angeles. It's only when you really think about it, like, yeah, it's this this shit was stolen. Yeah, because obviously that area not only had it been settled before by natives but it there's also then afterwards settled by uh spanish-speaking people which is obviously where they get the names from so they've been there for mm. quite a long time and had established quite a lot of areas uh so yeah, yeah one of my beefs with the settlers as well is just how lazy they were with naming things like new mexico and new england really pisses me off yeah <laughs> like it's just so unimaginative yeah like new york uh, we had a, an email from uh, Danielle from New Jersey and said you know, we we had to name it New or something like, was like I hadn't even clocked that that one's after Jersey. Yeah. I don't even give Jersey a second thought. It's just a tiny little island that you go on holiday to sometimes. This doesn't make sense to me. Why York as well? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's totally off topic, but obviously when the British, or well, the English more specifically, when the English went to Ireland and then said... Uh, what do you call this place? And then the Irish person said what it was called and went, ah, that's too, that's too much. I'm going to call it Londonderry. <laughs> <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but I can't pronounce it. So. <laughs> what place is this? Uh, bless you. We'll call it Londonderry. Uh, <laughs> now. Oh, God. Yeah. Daddy Earp, uh, being a, a veteran, was keen to take this 160 acres of land, simply taking it. Uh, now, in 1850, when little Wyatt was merely two years old, the whole family packed their belongings in a wagon pulled by an ox and set off on their near 2,000-mile journey to start a new life. Now, the journey from Illinois to California was expected to take around four to six months, which is interesting, James. You travelled obviously the entirety of Scotland about a month, um, but uh, you had a lot yeah, of you could have done it a lot quicker as well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not not massive. And I looked this up. If you travel from Illinois to California, and no, in fact, no, I looked this up a, a little while ago. It's even further. If you took your car and drove non-stop from New York to LA, it takes two days. So it shows how far we've come. Uh, in that, there's a there's a guy who owns a ranch in America. And I'm currently sitting in Bournemouth. This is my first episode recording in Bournemouth. It's exciting. So if it's a bit echoey, I do apologise because my room's echoey, but it shouldn't be. Um, that was a side point. But there's a guy with a ranch who, it, the size of it is the same distance between Birmingham in England and Bournemouth, where I'm sitting now, which is like a two and a half hour drive. That's and that's his land. That's just unacceptable. <laughs> How the fuck do you tend to that? It's mad, isn't it? They say that the the England or, or Britain, for one, can fit inside Texas, can't it? America's too big. You need to just downsize it's a little mad, bit, isn't it? Um, but yeah, so simply 150 miles uh, uh, west from Pella in Iowa 
is uh, 150 miles so from where they started in illinois they got to pella in iowa and then they stopped so out of this 2000 mile journey they only made it 150 miles before stopping uh, because one of wyatt's sisters martha became ill and had to ca- uh, and to carry on would have meant imminent death so daddy Earp gave mm. up his dream of moving the family out west and bought a 160 acre farm in iowa no more than 200 miles away from the place that they had started so it's not quite the vision that he'd had but nonetheless it's somewhere else and they have a farm so that's sort of them settled for a time now nice it's good to have land it is good to have land but sadly martha would die a few years later in 1856 but the parents you know they did the right thing okay so white and his family they stayed in iowa for the best part of a decade and would see out the american civil war there now daddy Earp, being a veteran himself and on the union side spent his days rounding up men to sign up for the cause in fact three of his sons went off to fight for the union young wyatt wanted to enlist with his brothers too and tried to on many occasions but um as always was stopped by his dad for one main reason he is a child he was 13 years old and he was trying to enlist in the army what was the laws back then if you could carry a gun you could fight no so you had to be over 18 to enlist in the union army uh, during the american civil war i learned this uh however there were lots of lots of young men under the age of 18 that signed up now uh this is quite a funny little thing i think a lot of younger men under the age of 18 got in through technicalities so um they'd go up to the uh signing up office and the man would say to them are you over 18 and they would say yes i am uh, because and this is this is true they would literally write on a piece of paper 18 and then put it in the heel of their shoe so they were literally stood they were over 18 <laughs> fuck's sake <laughs> it's the same as like in the um when kids were signing up during the world wars yeah. And they were like, they were underage, but like, go walk around the block and you might age a couple yeah. of years. It's like, literally, are you over 18? Yes, I am, sir. Literally stood over 18. He's like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, and a lot of young men uh, had their fathers simply just sign up for them and they, they got in uh, or, or vouch for them and lie for them and they got through. And obviously, a lot of them over the four-year war, I think it was, really probably wish they hadn't because it was awful. Anyway... Wyatt, along with his two younger brothers, were to stay at home and look after the farm. Uh, Now, they might not be old enough to fight, but they certainly were old enough to work, and work they did. They managed the 80-acre cornfields, and in their downtime, Wyatt discovered a new card game. But Wyatt's not playing Go Fish. Wyatt discovered poker and other games such as Faro. So he's, like, uh, from a young age, getting into gambling. Now... By 1864, the Civil War is coming to an end and once again, Daddy Earp decides the family should take a chance and go out west. They leave in May of 1864 and arrive at San Bernardino, California in December of the same year. That's a seven-month journey. A seven-month journey? Yeah, on foot, basically. Like You've got your ox pulling your wagon, but you can't sit in the wagon all the time because you've got your entire life in that wagon being pulled by the ox it doesn't need you lot sat in it as well do you know what i mean so a lot of the time you're just walking from uh iowa to california that just seems excessive surely it, like the terrain is not good either so have you heard of the oregon trail yeah 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 
so obviously the Oregon Trail being famous for uh, going off to the west and from there a lot of people started to go down to California when obviously that became more of a viable option um, but yeah so the, have you ever heard of the Donner Party we're definitely going to cover this at some point in the future the Donner Party no I can't say I have all I'm going to say about the Donner Party is they wanted to go to California as well, uh, but they took a route that one man said was brilliant but had never walked himself. And put it this way, um, young children should not know what humans taste like. Should not... Well, should I say that again, sorry? Yeah, young children should not know what humans taste like. That's I mean, how, you say young how, children, I don't feel anyone should have that information. Oh yeah, but. no, humans should not know what other humans taste like, but the Donner Party, their journey was so bad, uh, they did. <laughs> they ate each other. I'm not saying anymore. We're going to cover it in another episode one day. Fucking hell. But anyway, so all I'm saying is, this journey out is like dangerous. It's long. It's It's hard. It's really fucking hard. But when you get there... It offered you what was being sold as paradise, okay? So San Bernardino was the perfect place to start afresh. It's a frontier town, so everything is new, okay? There are jobs aplenty. Think of it like this. Um, uh, like, I don't know, we need a general store. Someone will make a general store. And then, like, oh, well, we need a dentist. Okay, well, this guy can walk in and say, well, I now have a dentist surgery, and he's now the dentist. Like... Put it this way, it's a, it's a reason why people were so keen to get out there and resettle. See, back over in the east, it was hard, it, it, it'd been settled for like, what, 100 years or so? Like, when once America mm. had been founded in like the late 1700s, um, companies had been established by then. Cities and states were formed and, again, established. So, like, jobs were more hard to come by. You couldn't just sort of rock up and say, oh, I'm a dentist, I'm just going to open a dentist store. You're like, well, no, we've got six around here, so what are you talking about? Whereas in the frontier, you could. You were like, well, I'm a dentist, so I'm going to be a dentist. And it's like, okay, great. Um, so, like, jobs were hard to come by, and with more and more people emigrating from Europe, there was an increasing housing problem. So think, imagine like living in uh, gangs of New York, New York, like you've seen gangs of New yeah. York, right? Imagine living yeah, in that film. city. You've come over from like Ireland thinking that this is going to be the new world where everything can happen and you get there and it's, it's that, it's a shithole. Yeah, let's not beat around the bus. It's a shithole. And you're like, it's no better mm-hmm. than home. And then someone Everyone comes up to, to you. you, someone comes up to you with a pamphlet and says, L- listen here, you want to go to California because wide open spaces there's like a 160 acre farm just waiting for you to take it uh you could be whatever you want out there you can change your life and become a new man you go yeah all right i'll go you just go yeah it sounds lovely yeah it does dream yeah exactly so this was the opportunity to go from a squalid apartment in a dank city to owning your own farm maybe open that business that you've always dreamed of in in many ways the american dream almost starts here and the Earps took full advantage of this. Wyatt's older brother took a job working for a stagecoach company, and Wyatt joined him until he became a driver himself, and in fact delivered cargo covering a region of about 700 miles. And back in that time, that's a lot of fucking miles. He basically became an early days HGV driver. You know, in, in, if, if Wyatt Earp was around today, he'd be in hot damn supply. Do you know what I mean? Like he, Everyone want, would want him to do that. He'd be the Eddie Stobart. He would be Eddie Stobart. Oh, uh, fun fact. 
you know the term shotgun um, as being the person that sits next to the driver? In the passenger seat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, we actually, it, well, from what I can gather, we actually get the term shotgun from this era as being the person who sits next to the driver. So whoever rode shotgun was always on the lookout for potential danger and now and then had to fight off outlaws. So whoever rode shotgun literally carried a shotgun and was there to like fight off any potential outlaws. They weren't just plugging in the orcs lead and being the DJ. No, how different how how things have changed. You, riding a shotgun literally used to mean holding a shotgun. Now it's your super DJ. I kind of I like that though. I'd like to ride shotgun with a shotgun. Isn't it cool? I like that. And I've, I've been playing a lot. I didn't know that's where the term came from. That's really cool. There you go. You learn something new every day. I've been playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption 2 at the moment and I'm I'm getting into my shotguns. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, that game was amazing. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, anyway, on one of his jobs transporting materials for the building of the Union Pacific Railroad, Wyatt got into boxing. More specifically, refereeing matches was what he was really keen on. Uh, and he was quite, quite specific. Uh, yeah, it's very specific. He's like, uh, listen, I'm not so keen on the like the fighting ya, but uh, I'll definitely referee. Just this. Just wants to be involved. He wants to be involved somehow. Like I think he's, he's in the ring. He's like, it's exciting in it. And he was quite renowned for officiating matches. Um, he was a strapping young man. Like, and I've shown you a picture of him when he was like 21. Like he. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks hard. Yeah, like he's the kind of guy that you look at in a bar and you'd go, yeah, yeah, you could probably handle yourself. He's that kind of dude. Yeah, you wouldn't mess with him. No. So, by the time he was 21, Wyatt was heading off to Missouri, where his family had relocated again. See, Daddy Earp had become the town constable, an elected position, which would put the family in good stead. He had the he, Although he had higher ambitions, he wanted to become the Justice of the Peace, which was a, a more notable position. Now, mm. bear in mind... The Earp family had been on the move quite regular for a time. Obviously, um, they've gone from uh, Illinois to Iowa. I mean, it's 150 miles, but still they've relocated their whole life. They've upended themselves. They've gone from Illinois to Iowa, from Iowa to San Bernardino, California, and then almost basically gone the entire journey back to go to Missouri. Now, it's a long journey, and usually you had one good trip in you to resettle your whole family during this time, and once you got there, you stayed put. But the Earps, mm-hmm. the Earps put in thousands of miles relocating back and forth from the Midwest out and back again. Now, this was the opportunity to settle for good uh, for the whole family in Missouri. Daddy has an elected position and is looking to stay that way. And the Earp boys can maybe follow in their dad's footsteps in the law business. In fact, Wyatt tried to do this. Wyatt courted a 20-year-old named Urilla Sutherland. She was the daughter of a local mm-hmm. businessman. Now, I can't be sure about this, but I'm willing to bet that Wyatt and Urilla, they hit it off and they were very fond of each other. See, they were married quite soon in January of 1870 and Wyatt had bought some land and built a family home for them. Now, this is also a time like you, you when you like you buy your family home, like bought your, like you had to make his family home. Like this was a time where the man actually made his house, and they were very protective of it. And there's the whole each each man's home is his castle, that kind of business. They're like, I've built this fucking place, and it's mine. Yeah. Um. Now I I use family uh, that being the operative word since Arilla very very quickly was pregnant, and things were looking up. 
Wyatt had succeeded his dad in being elected as the town constable. He was an expecting father and lawman. But life isn't a fairy tale. Urilla contracted typhoid fever and died in August of the same year that she and Wyatt were married. And unfortunately, oh. their unborn child didn't make it either. Yeah, yeah it sucks. And unfortunately, this is a big part of that world. Um, disease was everywhere because I've been looking it up. And those people living in that time were fucking filthy. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine they were the... Uh... The hygiene was top of the priority list. How did the Romans get it so easy? Like, how did they just know? Oh, just stay clean. And it's fine. They just got it. They put in sewage and everything. But I suppose if you are going to new lands, you're going to have to start from scratch again. You're going to have to put in your own sewage systems. I'm sure, like, the landscape would offer its own issues. Sure. But, I mean, so they believed that... um, they they believed that um, if you washed too often, you opened up your pores, which would let in disease. So it's quite common for people to wash once a week at most. In a, it, and they just had like one bath, and the whole family had to share the bath. And quite often, that water, because of it being quite precious, had to be reused as the bath. So once a week, that water just got reheated, and you jumped in it. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it, how people thought things were it's dirty man. but i guess like obviously when you think of a wild west scene you think of what it's very sandy there's not really much water sources around so i suppose water was quite precious mm, yeah that's true that's true but no i'm not I'm, i'd rather jump in a stream than jump in the same bath water for the last two weeks yeah i mean yeah it's no surprise they died early mm. now in a bit of a downward depression wyatt sold the family home and farm that he had built soon after and seemed to have got himself in a real bit of a rut. He was neglecting his duties as town constable and took to drinking and gambling. He was also facing some financial difficulties, which might give us a hint as to how Wyatt ended up in a jail cell awaiting trial. You see, Wyatt and two other men were charged with stealing a couple of horses. Now, there was an Old West saying that if you stole a man's horse, you condemned him to death because the horse was such a key component to life in the frontier. It was used for everything, pulling farm equipment, pulling wagons, it was used for transportation, and at its base level, it was an investment that you could use to sell on if strapped for cash. It's not. It, it's really hard to imagine, but it's not like how we picture our cars now. It's more than that. It's, it's your house on wheels, basically. Like It does everything. It's your house, it's your mm. car, it's... with Basically, without it, you can't get anywhere. Think of it, a lot of people, like, lived, what, like, a day's walk away from almost anywhere? So, like, the horse almost would half that. And, yeah. like, if you had no horse, well, I can walk to town, but I can't carry anything back, and it's... Yeah, it's so important. Um, so, if you didn't have a horse, you were stuffed, right? So, stealing someone's horse was a serious offence. In fact, to be called a horse thief was a serious insult in the Old West, apparently. Uh, I, the only way I can sort of think is it maybe it's the equivalent of being called a scumbag today. Like, if someone really means it when they call you a scumbag, that would be if you called someone a horse thief. Right. So, what kind of sentence, maybe, was Wyatt looking at for stealing a horse? Well, Old West movies and comics tell us that hanging was the appropriate sentence for horse thieving. Now... I'm sure there may have been the odd lynching by town folk acting as vigilantes, but 
Hanging a horse, uh, hanging a horse thief is a myth. It seems, not that the alternative was better. Um, see, there was an old law in Pennsylvania that by the 1860s was gone, but up until then it was still there. Uh, it said that a horse thief should be put in a pillory and whipped. Uh, they would also have their ears cut off and pinned to the same pillory that they are being whipped in. And then they were to be branded on the forehead with a H and a T. That seems excessive. It seems very excessive, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, they took um, horse thief very seriously. A, a little bit of, uh, this is a massive aside, but I learned this while I was in Edinburgh. It's fascinating. You know when like a kid's being a little shit and you call him a little terror away? Okay, yeah. I learned where that phrase comes from. It's when, like, back in the day, if a kid was being, like, a fucking dickhead, you would, they would go, they'd drag him into this, like, place in the town centre or city centre, and they'd put a nail through his ear and, like, hang him by his ear. And the only way he would, like, come down is if he fell or if he was, like, ripped off of the, like, the nail. And then you'd, for the rest of his life, he'd have, um, or she would have, like, a, a rip in the ear. So everyone would, like, look at them and be like wow this kid has done something bad they're a tear away no way that's where the phrase comes from for the rest of their life they'd have that rip and everyone be like okay this kid's a dickhead or what that adult has done something wrong and that's where Terraway comes from i found that fascinating wow that is that is amazing yeah <laughs> so to call someone a tear away is not like you're not a, you, you can't be a tear away as in like you can't just call someone a tearaway someone could be a tearaway as in you look at someone and assume that they are one yeah because their earlobe is in two bits wow that's so fascinating yeah knowledge do you know what if there's one thing that has endlessly fascinated me about us doing this podcast is finding out the origin of certain words and phrases i feel like we do that every week everything comes from somewhere yeah every week we're like oh did you know this come from this era and you're like no this is amazing. I hope everyone else finds that just as interesting as we do. No, mm. no, it's, re- it's really fascinating. Everything stems from somewhere. It's all got a source. Mm. Now, it's it's likely that Wyatt is not going to have his ears cut off for stealing these horses, uh, but um, it, it's more likely that he was to receive a hefty fine or he would likely spend time in prison. Um, but he would not let it get that far. You see, Wyatt managed to escape through the roof of his jail, proper Jack Shepard style, and he escaped <laughs> back to the Midwest to Illinois, where his brother Morgan was staying. Now, it's thought that he partook in some buffalo hunting for a time, but it's unconfirmed. There is one sort of source that says he did partake in buffalo hunting. Uh, it was written by their younger sister, um, but we don't know. Um, what we do know is that he was in Illinois and he was with his brother Morgan. Now, Wyatt was still in his downward spiral. He was drinking and gambling his days away, staying in particular lodgings that was raided by police where four women were arrested along with Wyatt and his brother Morgan but what for quote keeping and being found in a house of ill fame now would you like to hazard a guess yeah 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 exactly yeah he was found in a brothel uh he was frequenting brothels very regularly so he was fined $20 and it wouldn't be the last time either he just kept being found in brothels and was like listen I'll I'll pay I don't care (laughs) Uh, Wyatt Earp was arrested at least three times for hooking up with sex workers uh, one time in a floating brothel which is quite cool a floating brothel a brothel on a boat yeah (laughs) oh right okay I suppose it makes it harder to get found out 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, it's just, you know, you can't get on it. Anyway, it's thought that he may have been a bouncer at one of these brothels or at the local saloon. He, he His experience refereeing boxing matches meant that he was really good at chucking out drunks and troublemakers. It's also thought that he might have been a pimp. One of the sex workers that Wyatt was fond of was a girl named Sally Heckle. She would claim that she was his wife whenever caught, and when Wyatt left Illinois for Wichita, Kansas, she came out with him under the new name of Sarah Earp and was running a brothel, which Wyatt was doorman and possible pimp. So I think this is just sort of a cover. Her changing her name to Sarah Earp was just a cover for her to continue doing her pimping. Uh, Yeah, I agree. Maybe Wyatt was either the doorman or, you know, helping out with the pimping and making a bit of money. So he's not like... The one thing we've noticed as well with a lot of the people we're covering recently is it's very grey. Some of this stuff is quite grey. No one's perfect. Like, Wyatt is my good guy at the moment. He's in the good guy category, but like, you know, it's a bit grey. Now, like any person in their mid-twenties having a life crisis, Wyatt was stuck with what to do with himself. The benefits of the frontier were that there were so many jobs to get into. The problem with the frontier was that there were too many jobs to get into. You could be hustling cattle one day, then loading wagons the next. And most jobs were transient, meaning that they came and went when demand and with, with demand, and job security was a rare thing. Kind of like today, where someone's like, what do you want to do with yourself when you grow up? I don't know, there's like a million professions. I don't know. <laughs> now, uh, one job that could offer longevity, and came back into Wyatt's life, was as a lawman. Now, he assisted an officer in the hunt for thieves who had stolen a wagon, and for a job well done, he was recruited into the Wichita police force like he had been back in Missouri before the loss of his wife. He stayed at it for a year until he was accused of nepotism when he tried to get his brothers hired as lawman too. Now, this doesn't seem so bad, but the foundations upon which the law was built on were shaky at best in the frontier. It wasn't like your big cities like New York or Chicago at the time. And bear in mind as well, if um, if you kind of want to get an idea for what Chicago was like around this time, go back and listen to our H.H. H. Holmes episode because oh, he, is, yeah. he will be operating uh, in sort of the next 15 to 20 years at this point. And obviously, as we know, Chicago is basically made out of wood at that point. So if you want to know about Chicago, go check out that episode. Um, so... Towns and cities around this era in the frontier were small and spread out over vast areas. One gang or family could take over a town and basically run it themselves. And quite often, gangs would fight one another over control of a town. And Wichita was basically trying to avoid having a family-run city, (laughs) you know, controlling all the laws and whatnot. Hmm. Now, because of this, Wyatt was no longer a lawman and skipped town to Dodge City in Kansas. Now, Dodge City at the time was the epitome of lawlessness. Established in 1872 as a stop-off point for people on the Santa Fe Trail and buffalo hunters, it didn't have much. It had a couple of grocery stores, it had a general store, a barber shop, blacksmith, and most importantly, a saloon. But what it didn't have was a proper law enforcement. You see, buffalo hunters railroad men and soldiers flush with cash would come into town spend all their money in the bar and cause trouble in the city and eventually the cowboys came riding into town too after a long cattle drive and they needed a place to spend their money and unwind 
possibly in the arms of a lady of the night. You've got to do what you got to do. you got to do what you got to do. Um, now, I... Right, okay, okay. Cowboys was a job. Cowboys is not like uh, a term for a bunch of people. So when we think of this time when I grew up, it was cowboys and Indians, right? Mm-hmm. Cowboys is used as like a term to refer to everyone who basically lived out in the frontier and out in the Old West. That's not the case. Yeah cowboys was a job to be a cowboy was to be a uh a cattle herder basically a rancher in fact the term cowboy was not used until later to refer to these young men who basically just rode out for like a week at a time driving cattle from one farm to another uh mm. and, th- and they basically just lived outdoors and i'll be honest with you from what i've learned being a cowboy sucked <laughs> it was just you lived outdoors you didn't see no one. You had maybe like six of your other mates with your rustling cattle along the road. And it seems really fucking boring. Um, and when you got to Dodge City, you got paid and you spent all your money. And then you went on another long cattle drive. And it fucking sucked, man. It seems like it was rubbish. <laughs> Although, you know, like they wear chaps. You know, was it those long like bits that cover their legs when they're riding horses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, those are to protect their legs from uh, snake bites. That makes sense. Yeah. And what are like the spurs for? You know, the, the things on the back? What the fuck I are think, they the, you know, what, like the, the things on the back of the boot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, if I'm right, they are for kicking the horse to make them run faster. Well, that makes me sad. Yeah, I know. It, they're not great. They're not really good. But anyway, cowboy was a job. Cowboy is not a term to refer to other. It's almost like you know, Viking is a is a noun. It, sorry, it's not a noun. It's an adjective. It's a it's a, a, a sorry. It's a describing word. You, you go Viking. Yeah, You're yeah, not yeah. a Viking. You go Viking. It's like cowboy is a job, uh-huh. not a people. Anyway, uh, so basically, think of it this way, right? Dodge City, uh, and you'll be you'll be aware of this now, living in a university town. Dodge City was like a university town on a Friday night. It was drunken fights breaking out in the bar and the streets, and often enough guns would be drawn and gunfights were so common you could shoot someone for looking at you funny and then claim it was self-defense and that is true i mean like street youths still try and do that now don't they like you just glance in their general direction and they uh get very upset about it i hate people like this you know when like you're just walking through a busy area or whatever you accidentally bump into someone and they start kicking off at you and you're like really i just accidentally it's because they're just so insecure about themselves. They just have to prove themselves all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and this was quite often. You'd be like, he called me a liar, so I shot him. And that would be justified. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? You, The world has developed, thankfully. But I suppose, I don't know, new country, lawmen kind of took the law into their own hands and deemed fit, whatever. Because I take it they didn't have like a... Well, I don't know. How, America's federal, isn't it? So they didn't have like a... No, they did have a president. Yeah, yeah, they had presidents, yeah. So surely the law... But was it... The law wasn't blanket across all the states, it was... So, uh, obviously, there are federal laws which are enforced in all states. However, um, states have their own laws, and states obviously... Um, uh, this is this is obviously just after the Civil War as well. So this is a time where states were really, really powerful and the government was not as much. Now, the war was over and the government had won. So federal laws were still there and they had a lot of power. But obviously states had a lot of power too. This is also the frontier. So states are not as uh, established at this point And the law has not sort of got to this part yet. 
So there are lawmen, there are sheriffs, marshals, just uh, justice of the peace, all that stuff. They exist, but they're sort of spread out a bit few and far between. Um, right. So you could you could commit a crime in Dodge City and then like fuck off over the county border and they can't kind of get you because you know you're too far away. It's just a fucking weird setup, isn't it? Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> now, local businesses were so fed up with the lawlessness of the town, they demanded change. So when Wyatt Earp wandered into town, he was very quickly offered the position of Chief Deputy Marshal and given the task of cleaning up the place, which he kind of did. Now, here's a question for you, James, uh, considering what we've just been talking about. Gun control mm-hmm. existed in the Old West. True or false? I mean, my instinct says... Uh, there was no gun control, which makes me think there probably was gun control. Yeah, no, you're right. It's whenever someone says like a true or false, but it's a blatantly obvious statement. You're like, it's got to be the opposite. Um, So there was some form of gun control. So uh, you could go into a store, you could buy a gun. um, Everyone had, it was was their freedom on their hips. So, you know, you could own a gun. and, And for most people, they needed a gun. But once you got into like a city where there was a lawman, you didn't really need it frontier people needed guns to like hunt and protect themselves from you know maybe the odd roaming native american uh, who might attack you which mm. about, as far as i'm aware apparently is actually very very rare and turns out that was a myth that americans that native americans would just attack americans randomly um apparently there's a myth that's quite often they wouldn't uh, quite often they would come and try to barter with you first and then if you started to piss them off then they might have a go at you anyway um yeah w- right. once you were in a city you don't need a gun. You don't need it here. There's a law here. There's a lawman who keeps control. There's a judge. Like there is, there is a hierarchy here of like there, we are a society now. You don't need a gun. <laughs> um, so yes, there was some form of gun control. What? So Wyatt, along with his fellow deputies, brought in a deadline zone, uh, which essentially split the city in two. So there's a railroad that basically splits Dodge City in half and north of the railroad was reserved for those who wanted to operate in peace with reputable establishments uh, where guns were forbidden to be drawn and even carried around the area. You just didn't do it. Mm. If you did, you were then put in jail for carrying a sidearm and they're like, you don't need it here. Get out. Uh, Now, the south side of the railroad was allowed to continue with its lawlessness guns could be carried around and quite frequently gunfights ensued now it also seems which would be really interesting if uh, we were talking earlier about the uh, origin of words it turns out that Mm -hmm. we seem to get the term red light district from this time and this place Uh, it seems that train masters would take their red lanterns and walk to the brothels on the south side of town Uh, and obviously with their red lanterns it was almost like a red light and that's where we, I think, it seems to be that's where we get the term red light district from. Well, there you go. This episode has just been full of knowledge. Yeah, if I'm wrong, someone let me know, but that's what I found. Now, the gun ban was taken very seriously for Wyatt. His jail was full of people wandering into town wearing their freedom on their hips. Now, of course, trying to lead by example, Wyatt tried not to use his gun whilst on duty. Instead, he would pistol whip perps with when arresting them, which I found quite funny. He'd literally just grab the butt of it and just whack you around the head. Um, yeah, not allowed to do that anymore. No, no. He was very popular with the town folk and made a few friends along the way, such as the famous gunslinger slash dentist Doc Holliday when chasing down the infamous train robber Dave Rudabar. 
Now, rumour has it that a bunch of cowboys were in town causing a commotion in a saloon when Wyatt went in to calm everything down. When he walked through the door, he was met with guns pointed at him. And Doc Holliday, gambling in the saloon at the time, pulled his gun, held it to the head of the cowboy's leader and asked politely for the men to put down their guns. Wyatt credited Doc as having saved him and they were very close friends from then on. Um, now, it's a nice story, don't get me wrong. Wyatt claims later in his autobiographies and whatnot, when he's telling about his life, that Doc saved him on many occasions. And I think like the first time they met, he kind of saved him. And this story has come out, but we don't actually know if it's true. Mm. Uh, but what Wyatt did also do was manage to get his brother Morgan deputised, which is obviously something that he got kicked out of Wichita for. Uh, but they were like, listen, you're doing such a good job. We really trust you. We really like you. We trust your opinion on the matter, so they, he let him hire his own brother as well. Now, things were going great for Wyatt, personally. He had a good job that paid well, he was well respected in the town, and he had good friends around him. And his legacy is that of a moral good in a lawless country. Which, to some extent, he is. But this was a time when America was building itself. If you wanted something, you had to take it. The whole reason we have this era in history was because people wanted to do, but people wanted to better themselves and knew that the only way to get it was to go out and take any and all chances offered up to you. There was no being overly kind and nice about something. You had to be ruthless. You had to take your chances and you had to take them now. See, like Wyatt was a lawman for the time being, for sure, and he was he was good at it, but. As we sort of discussed earlier, he spent time buffalo hunting because he thought that that would be a sort of a get-rich-quick scheme. Um, and the, origin, the origins of buffalo hunting is actually quite cruel, um, which I think you might find interesting, James. Uh, obviously, uh, Native Americans in the you know continental United States at the time uh, were hunting buffalo to use it for everything. Food, clothing, uh, weaponry, homes. They used every part of the animal, and the buffalo was like, the creature for them yeah that's good which is which is good and it's 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 a good way of hunting them right but an american general uh was like oh during the civil war uh i managed to defeat the enemy by basically obliterating its food source and its fucking way of surviving to the point where it surrendered i'm going to do that for the indian problem and then decided what is the one thing that the Indians cannot live without and he recognised it was the buffalo and then from then on was like, hey everyone, go fucking hunt buffalo and I'll pay you for it. And from then on, millions of buffalo were slaughtered just for the fucking sake of it by Americans. It's just unfair, really. Like, those buffalo were on that land long before the settlers. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's insane. Well, have you heard of the guy Buffalo Bill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Buffalo Bill was one of the most famous buffalo hunters. In fact, Buffalo Bill would like have... I think there's a picture of... I think it's Buffalo Bill sitting on what is basically the hides of about a couple of thousand buffaloes that have just been shot just for their hides. And the rest of it would just be thrown away and discarded. And you're like, what a waste. And then you've got natives who would hunt these and use everything about them and now starving and struggling because they can't hunt them anymore because half of them are gone. They can't follow them. They can't migrate with them. They're they're sort of stuck. It it really was an awful time. And the origins of it are cruel. Um, Just use the entire animal. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, now, Wyatt and his brother Morgan, we, we don't know whether they knew the origins as to why buffalo hunting was had become a thing. I think maybe they just knew that buffalo hunting was a way to make money. Um, but nonetheless, it seems maybe they partook in it, which is not ideal. Uh, but yeah, he and his brother Morgan also spent time away in the search for gold in a mining area called Deadwood. Um which, which is odd because obviously he's supposed to be keeping the law in Dodge City, but he's like, nah, fuck it. I've got an opportunity to try and make my fortune here. So he just fucked off for like a year to go hunt for gold, <laughs> was unsuccessful and came back. I guess what I'm trying to say is that like most people we cover nowadays, White Earp's grey. Like he's not moral good. He's not like doing everything good for the sake of being good. He does what is good for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Now, there is the shooting of George Hoy. He was a cowboy who, with a bunch of other drunken cowboys, was shooting up the town and causing a problem. When Wyatt and his deputies chased them down, they fled to south of the railroad, but a stray bullet caught George Hoy, and he fell from his horse and died soon after. Now, uh, George Hoy is credited as being Wyatt Earp's first kill, um, but it's unclear if it was actually Wyatt Earp that killed him, and maybe it was just a stray bullet from somewhere else. We don't know. Uh, but Wyatt Earp is credited as being the man that killed him, and it was his first man kill. Now, <laughs> man flesh. <laughs> uh, now we're going to cover the incident that made Wyatt Earp one of the most famous names in the Old West: the gunfight at the OK Corral. But first, we've got to talk about the town where it happened. The town too tough to die, Tombstone, Arizona. Now, Tombstone was formed in 1879, and at that point, there was like a hundred people in tents looking to mine silver. But by the end of 1879, it had become a thriving town with more than a thousand people living there. It was named when the guy who founded it, a prospector, Ed Schieflin, looking for, you know, precious metals was warned by a soldier not to go to the area telling him that quote all you'll find in those hills is your tombstone when he got there like obviously not listening to the soldier he found a, a fuckload of silver and was like irony i'm staying here and i'm gonna call it tombstone uh uh <laughs> <laughs> So the region was a prime place for cowboys hustling cattle, which then also meant outlaws were keen to come and steal those very same cattle. Because cattle, you know, they, they took in a lot of money. Like they're very precious with their meat and everything else that comes mm. with it. So you'd got outlaws would come in, fight the cowboys, try and nick some of the, 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 the cattle and then sell them on themselves. Um, and th- what they needed really was a lawman to keep the peace because they didn't have one. So mm. Wyatt over in Dodge City was looking to get out. The place was becoming too civilized and the lawless charm was going with it. So as I mentioned earlier, um, Dodge City was located on the Santa Fe Trail. So people would walk through it. You had to walk through it to like get somewhere. But by this point, the railway had been br- uh, created, which meant you didn't have to stop in Dodge City anymore. You could just go past it which meant it lost a lot of business, people didn't go there as often, and, you know, the thing that made it charming for Wyatt was the lawlessness, and people just moved on. They were like, eh, well, next city, 
and went somewhere else and a lot of them went to tombstone in arizona and that's where wyatt went as well he was like listen the shit going on down there and they need a lawman and i like bringing the law being a lawman was good business but being a good lawman was bad for business so by the end of 1879 wyatt and his brothers virgil and james moved to tombstone in arizona virgil Earp was to become the town deputy marshal James Earp established a saloon in the town, and Wyatt was keen to open a stagecoach business, but since there was already two in the, si- in, the, in the town, he gambled professionally for a time before being deputised alongside his brother. But the introduction of lawmen to the area didn't go down well with the gangs operating in the area, particularly the cowboys. Now, remember I said to you like the term cowboys was used later on, so... When I've mm-hmm. been referring to cowboys, I do refer to like um, cattlemen who moved cattle from one end to another, just because it's easiest for us to understand. Yeah. But for the purpose of this point mm-hmm. in the story, um, the cowboys were like a more like a crime syndicate run by a smaller group, and they called themselves like the cowboys, or someone called them the cowboys, one or the other. Now, one of the cowboys was called Ike Clanton. Now, he had connections with most of the other cowboys in the gang, and when a stagecoach got robbed, Wyatt came to him for information. Now, Wyatt promised him the $3,600 reward money if he gave information on his buddies about the robbery. Now, Ike Clanton obliged and gave names and info, but he never got paid since the two robbers that he'd given up were killed attempting another robbery. Now, Ike Clanton always claimed that Wyatt owed him the money regardless, but Wyatt was having none of it. Tensions were running high when the cowboys robbed another stagecoach with a lockbox on board. The two men who robbed it wore masks, but their voices were recognised. They were the voices of Deputy Sheriffs Pete Spence and Frank Stilwell. Now, Wyatt and his brother Virgil went to investigate the crime, but whilst doing the two deputy sheriffs were already arrested for a previous crime, but made bail. In the meantime, Wyatt's brothers were threatened by the cowboys, saying, quote, if they come following up on any of them, they'll kill all the Earps. So these deputy sheriffs were part of the cowboys. They kind of worked with them, were like pals with them. So he basically let them get off on a lot of stuff. It was basically very corrupt. Um, and the cowboys yeah. were like, listen, you keep fucking following these boys. You keep investigating this shit. We're going to kill you. You know, it's like, it's, it's like, it's proper gangstery, isn't it? It, it, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's a glorified gang. Yeah, it is. But just a few weeks later, Wyatt, following up on the stagecoach robbery, arrested the two former deputy sheriffs, and the cowboys were pissed and seriously meant their threats. So... The, the Earps moved their families into like hotels away from the area because they were genuinely concerned that their families would be murdered by these guys. And they just carried on doing their job as much as they could. But on the 26th of October, 1881, Ike Clanton, along with his brother Billy, and fellow cowboy members Tom and Frank McClory and Billy Claiborne, were near the OK Corral in the town of Tombstone with guns in their holsters causing a commotion. Virgil, being the town marshal, got his brothers Morgan and Wyatt along with Doc Holliday and headed out to the area. At 3pm, they got there and demanded the men put down their arms since they'd enforced a no-arms mandate in the town. Instead, 
Billy Clanton and the McClory's opened their coats and went for their weapons. At the same time, Wyatt, his brothers and Doc all reached for their weapons and were faster on the draw. Tom and Frank McClory were both killed. Ike Clanton and Billy Claiborne didn't pull out their weapons but ran instead. Ike in fact bumped into Wyatt who threw him aside to the floor. Morgan Earp took a shot to the back which scraped both his shoulder blades with a, with a stray bullet. Billy Clanton stood his ground and was killed for his trouble. Wyatt was the only man who had not been harmed. Uh, see, his other brother Virgil Earp had got shot through the calf and Doc Holliday got grazed by another stray bullet. Mm. And then there's just Wyatt. Wyatt's just sort of <laughs> stood up. And, I, and obviously you've got an... I've sent you an image, like a, a drawing depiction of what like mm-hmm. the gunfight might have looked like. And the idea that... And, and the, and, the lawmen are wearing black. They look cool. They got their long black coats, black hat. Yeah. They look, they look very intimidating. They look very intimidating. The idea of just like, there's three dead guys on the floor, two have run away, and then there's just like, Wyatt, his brothers have been shot. They're on the floor. Wyatt's just stood. He's the last man standing, just like, not a scratch on him. And it's just really cool. <laughs> and there's a horse just not enjoying himself. And a horse just not enjoying himself. Now, the gunfight at the OK Corral lasted, believe it or not, considering what I've just told you, for 30 seconds. I suppose once everyone's dead, everyone's dead. Yeah. Uh, around 30 shots were fired. Bloody hell. 30 Trigger shots fingers. in 30 seconds. Three men dead, two run away, the other guys are injured, White's still standing. 30 seconds. And it's one of those things you watch in old West movies. That's like a 10-minute set piece. Yeah, because they just all chat to each other beforehand, don't they? Yeah, but these guys are like the gunslingers, man. They they they've got they're good shots. They're like straight out the holster, bang, 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 done. Right, anyone else? No? Okay, put the guns away. Let's carry on. Now, that obviously is the most famous, almost the most famous gunfight in the old west. When you think when people talk about it, and 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 that should be the end of it, right? Ike Clanton running with his tail between his legs, whilst his brother and the other cowboys members lay dead at the feet of Wyatt Earp and his brothers. But it wasn't. What follows will turn a respected lawman into an outlaw. And that's where we will pick up next week for part two of Wyatt Earp. Ooh. Ooh. He's going to go bad. <laughs> He's going to go bad. Um, so, yeah, man, that's the part that's part one of Wyatt Earp. Now, I've made this a, a two-parter because, uh, what is it? it like we're nearly an hour in or something, right? And... Mm. we're halfway there man this is a big old story Wyatt's done a lot in his life and also I kind of really wanted to try and as best as I could set up uh, for our imaginations what sort of the old west was like for a bit in as, as much a way as I could um, so I hope yeah I'm Hollywood's definitely uh, glamorised it hasn't it yeah yeah absolutely yeah um, but yeah so far what are we thinking I wouldn't like to live in the wild west <laughs> no, no. That's like these things. I've been. I'm playing Red Dead Redemption too, and I'm like, I'd love to just you know be a free man, just strutting about on my horse, maybe go do some hunting, wander into town with a bit of cash, and just be a free dude. But then you realise I have to shit in a hole. Um, I don't get to bath very often. The beds might not everything be so comfy. wants to kill you. Everything wants to kill you. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Stick to Red Dead. I'll just stick to Red Dead. Um, Arthur's dead, and I'm now playing as John Marston. Spoilers. Oh, nice. I, I love that bit. The old... Uh, what is it? Not prequel. What's, what's it afterwards? Epilogue. Prologue. Epilogue. That's the one. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. So I'm I'm enjoying it. I've, that's like the third time I've played for it, and I'm enjoying it. Anyway, I hope everyone listening has enjoyed the story. Obviously, we have quite a few American listeners. In fact, m- most of our listeners are from the Americas now than they are from our own home ca- our own hometown. So <laughs> that's cool. I hope you guys, if you're from the Americas, have enjoyed listening to a bit of your history. Um, Make sure you join us uh, next week for part two of Wyatt Earp. We will try to get it next week, but obviously uh, James has just recently gone off to university, so uh, you know schedules may be a bit tight at the moment. So we'll do our best, um, but we will let you know. Um, yeah, join us next it week should for part be fine. two. Should be fine, yeah. Um, make sure you follow us on all the socials. Uh, if you haven't already, go check out our merch store. Um, we've got some really fucking awesome t-shirts, jumpers, mugs, all over on the merch store. So you can just show off to your mates like the podcast that you like. Uh, one of our most recent designs, Be More Dog, inspired by our episode uh, on Diogenes. Um, uh, a guy, one of our listeners has picked up a, a vest and sent us a picture and it looks fucking sweet. Um, so yeah, Go check out the store. You can find that www.twpd.store. Um, and yeah, uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can do this on our Kofi page. Um, you can find all this uh, on our links um, on our social media. So yeah, check it out, guys, and make sure you support the show. Uh, thank you for like your um, feedback you've been giving us. We've heard from some of our listeners over the summer, which has been fucking awesome. Uh, we're going to get back to like some of your listener recommendations soon as well. So yeah, look forward to that in the future. Anything else, James? Uh, no, it's just nice to be back. Hopefully, we are back with weekly episodes now because summer's been quite uh, sporadic. Mm. But yeah, weekly episodes for the autumn that you can all drink your pumpkin spice lattes and listen to on your way to work. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Join us next week. We'll see you for part two of Wire Up. Farewell. Farewell.